way you're going to be the most shamelessly promotional human on this podcast. what to do this is rambling your weekly rams podcast that brings you inside of the team and news from around the nfl i'm your host and team reporter serena morales coming at you from los angeles california your la rams are returning from their bye week a little older a little wiser and preparing for a fun nfc west matchup taking on the seahawks at sofi stadium this sunday Joining the podcast today, you can find him all over NFL Network. He is a great reporter and writer, an even better human. And he just upgraded his phone. He no longer has to use his AirPods to talk to people and worry about his battery life. He is also a great follow <laughs> on Twitter, at Mike Silver. Can you hear me now? <laughs> I, am, uh, I am vastly overrated and keep it coming. I love that. That's the, that's the kind of intro that I could get behind, uh, you know, you want me you want me to come back i'm just gonna remember like basking in the glow of my own hype it was beautiful i even extended that hype to your phone which thank goodness you've upgraded because the, the, the only it was hanging by a thread serena the only thing cooler would be if you did that on the giant scoreboard <laughs> at sofi with fans present. So I'm like 2021. Hopefully we can have a moment where you and I are on the scoreboard. I know you will be. And I actually, I, you know, you thought you were going to take control of the podcast and ask me a question, but I'm actually going to start with a scoreboard story about the Rams and you will appreciate this. So in the 2018 NFC championship game, uh, at the Superdome, you know, noise was obviously one of the storylines going in. Uh, I, on my show, The Aftermath, on NFL Network on Mondays, uh, on the Monday after the, uh, the divisional round weekend, um, I was asked about the potential for crowd noise being a distraction of the Rams. And I had uh, I'd actually watched the Saints game the previous day with a couple of Rams players, and I had talked to some other Rams players, and they had all kind of said to me, listen, we played there, you know, during the season, and it really wasn't that crazy, the noise. Like, it was loud, but we were fine. So I kind of conveyed that in, in a way that I thought was tactful. Um, and basically said, yeah, the noise is the noise, but the Rams feel like they can handle it. Well, so the Saints start out with the ball. The Rams get it. There's a timeout, and I'm having a rough morning. My back had, like, gone out. I felt like I was, you know, 100 years old, so I was, like, hopped up on ibuprofen just trying to, to be a G and gut it out. I'm, I'm with my colleagues Steve Weish and Jim Trotter and I'm just kind of trying to get into the mode all of a sudden on the scoreboard at the Superdome there is a clip from the aftermath of me talking about how the crowd noise is not that big a deal followed, followed by the loudest roar I've ever heard, uh, you know, in 30 years of covering the NFL. And 
ceaseless. And I'm like, everyone's looking at me, which, let's be honest, I don't really mind being up on a scoreboard and having a clip of my show, but I was a little shook because I'm thinking, okay, one of two things is going to happen. The Rams are going to lose, and I'm going to get blamed by all my friends who play and coach for the Rams or work for the Rams because they all saw it, or the Rams are going to somehow win despite this crowd noise, and there's going to be a riot after the game, and I'm going to be walking out with drunken, mad Saints fans who recognize me and somehow believe that I hurt the Saints. So I'm, now I'm, like, freaked out, and I'm getting texts from, you know, friends and family members of Rams players who are like, what did you, what did you do? Like, how did you, how could you do that? So, uh, and then the game seemed to get away. It was like 13, nothing and get louder. So I had like a, a super scary juncture where I thought that, uh, my self-absorption was going to come at, you know, was going to cross with an actual NFL games outcome and it was not going to end well for me. You and the Rams are no longer allowed um, in New Orleans, just to put it lightly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, know, I, you know, fast forward a few hours later, and I was on the field as the Rams were uh, celebrating that field goal in overtime. And then my only worry was uh, trying to disguise myself in New Orleans until I got out of town. Hide behind Jim Trotter and Steve White. That's always the Yeah. Oh dear. Get me out of here. Um, but you, you weren't that bummed out. You were kind of like, I better not be recognized, but I'm going to the Super Bowl. You were good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of loud stadiums, the Rams, um, Actually, they're not playing in um, Seattle. They're playing in a quieter stadium at SoFi, which we can't wait to have fans at very soon, hopefully. But the Seahawks are a very good team, Mike Silver. Let's put it lightly. Um, however, they are a beatable team, and I've seen that now. We've seen that twice. What are your thoughts on this matchup, uh, Rams-Seahawks at SoFi Stadium? The Rams are undefeated at SoFi right now. Well, I, I'm, I'm really excited about the second half of the season for the Rams, and I'm one of the few people who actually thought they were going to be good this year, and you guys may be among that small group, too. And <laughs> I've, been wrong, I've been wrong about a lot of things that people let me know about it, but every once in a while, you know, I get one right. So uh, I think they can get better. I think, you know, when, when uh, Van Jefferson and Cam Akers get – further integrated into the offense, um, that's going to be a big boost. I love schematically what Brandon Staley has done on the defensive side, and I think, you know, there's there's room for growth there as they continue to, to acclimate to the system. And, you know, I thought that Buffalo game was a, a great opportunity to do something epic. Obviously, it, it ended on a sour note with the, the uh, sketchy call at the end. But, but, you know, that comeback was was – super heartening and uh you know that said they're in a very very tough division now seattle is 
very, very, very good, but it's kind of a paradox because the pass defense right now is not just bad, not just really bad, but like on pace to be historically bad. And I know there have been challenges associated with the surreal 2020 season that don't help pass defenses. Basically, any weakness you have in coverage is getting exploited, as, and there's no crowd noise to distract opposing quarterbacks or to hype up the the defense. Uh, and so there's a lot of uh, sitting duck potential, but. You know, it's obviously a concern. They blitzed a ton this last week in Buffalo. Uh, the pass rush was actually better even when they didn't blitz. I thought Carlos Dunlap gave them, uh, uh, you know, some juice. But, um, you know, we saw the Cardinals and uh, the Bills kind of exploit that. Now, when not, you know, in the other six games when the defense has needed to be good, I. Uh, it's kind of risen to the occasion. I was at the game week two in Seattle when it came down to uh, naturally it being the Patriots of the Seahawks. It came down to the last yard and the last play and Cam Newton and and even without the crowd noise. And they made a stand against Minnesota to get the ball back and and pull that game out dramatically. So I, I do think the Seahawks defense will get better as the year goes on, but it ought to be something that, can be exploited, and, and I think you're going to see a lot of points in this one. So that's funny you said that, because our buddy, Andrew Siciliano, joked with McVay this week, and he said, what is keeping you from just throwing the ball all day against the Seahawks on Sunday? And, like, obviously, Sean, he's going to do what he needs to do, and he's going to give you a very Sean McVay answer. But do you basically see that happening on Sunday? You know, it's interesting. I mean, I think, Sean, one of the things he really, um, you know, started doing last December going into that Rams game when they played so well and, you know, were a couple of third and 16s away from pulling that out. uh, And into this season, he's kind of rethought the offense. And, uh, you know, Gurley wasn't himself or wasn't the old Gurley. They were forcing some things in the running game. And, you know, I, I think he's, I, you know, crafted a more holistic attack that is more in line with what he originally wanted to do, where, you know, there is balance, you you have the ability to run it, uh, they look to people like Tyler Higby for some of the screens and the, the short passes that had previously gone to Todd, and, um, you know, less reliance on 11 personnel exclusively and and changing things up. So I think they're in a better place in terms of balance. Um, I I thought one of the things that struck me um, coming out of the Seattle, the Buffalo game for the Seahawks is that Pete Carroll said afterward, you know, we didn't think they were going to, run it so little we had a great plan to stop the run and it never materialized a that's just a weird thing to hear pete carroll say because he's such a good strategist and you know so prepared and has such a a great feel for what his team does well and how to match up so i thought that was kind of surprising that um you know they they felt unprepared for that and you know i also talked to some people on the bill side afterwards and it was interesting they said it's not like we went in thinking pass 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 they just blitzed so much that we were like hey we're gonna take advantage and try to exploit the blitz so in some ways i think what the seahawks did defensively led to the the fact that they were 
uh, you know, pass against so much. So I would expect Seattle to adjust. Um, and Jamal Adams getting more comfortable. Uh, you know, they when they get Griffin back, you know, that may not be now, but when they do get Shaquille Griffin back, that's, that ought to give them, you know, a little help back there. And I think Trey Flowers is actually playing pretty well. So, um, you know, I think the Seahawks will adjust, and I think Sean is smart. I, I don't think Sean will come in trying to replicate what the Bills did. I think he'll he'll try to have balance. And, and I know he's excited about Akers and, and getting him involved, too. I don't know if this will be the game. You know, last year I kept wondering, when are we going to get the Daryl Henderson game? And <laughs> I was basically – I was basically told going into that second Ram game, all right, you're going to see the Daryl Henderson game now. And then I think he sprained his ankle on the, literally his first touch, and it, it never materialized. So we, we've seen him now. I, I'm wondering if, if we'll get a little acres, uh, you know, if not now, then pretty soon. For sure. And, and Sean McVay has called uh, his three-back uh, problem or good problem. It's like champagne problems. Like we got three great running backs, and so – at some point, Cam Akers will get his shine. Van Jefferson will get his shine. But there's no complaining when you've got two other guys that you can throw in and have them score points as well. Um, when For the Rams to get to six and three, will the defense win this game or will the offense win it? Uh, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think it's going to be one of those high-scoring games where the defense that makes the big plays – whether that's a turnover or some sort of stand, um, you know, can be very determinative. And, you know, I, I think you want to hear that when you're, uh, you know, a defense that is basically two megastars and, you know, nine, nine guys that don't get as much hype. And there are some very good players of those nine, right? Uh, you know, Leonard Floyd is, is obviously a, a a very high level player and you know there are guys who don't get as much hype nationally who've who've done some good things but you know the combination of obviously Aaron Donald um you know as, as great as he's ever been which is pretty great um and then you know what what they've done with Jalen Ramsey from the Buffalo game on has been really inspired and it's something I want I want to dig into on my show and and you know talk about more publicly and I know you are more hyper aware of it because you've seen it happen before your eyes but you know conventional wisdom with a star shutdown corner that you pay like that is yeah, well we're just going to erase the best receiver on one side of the field or just one side of the field and that makes everybody else's job easier but you know, a lot of times when that happens, those guys can get really bored. Teams just throw away from them. And, um, you know, if you want more bang for your buck uh, and you've got a player who is special like Jalen Ramsey and that you can blitz him, you can put him in the slot, you can get him more involved in the middle of the field and move uh, by Sean and Brandon Staley to uh, to – get Jalen in the mix more and it just keeps him more engaged and keeps teams off balance. So I, um, you know, I think if you hear, hey, the defense is going to make a play here or there that, that can determine this, who wins this potential shootout, when you've got two absolute game changers like that back there, that is, a, you know, that's, that's music to your ears. So, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a game I'll be watching closely from afar. And, 
whoever wins it, these are two teams that, in my opinion, are legit Super Bowl contenders that I think have a lot of upside. Uh, for the Seahawks, it's really that defense rounding into form and Jamal Adams and, and what they can do as they start to cover up those weaknesses. And for the Rams, I think it's a combination of, you know, a greater comfort zone with a new defense and then, you know, those two rookies on offense really uh, having a chance to, to, to give it even more juice. For sure. And speaking of the defense, what makes me happy, um, this is a shameless plug, Mike, but over the bye week, my feature came out on the assistant head coach and linebackers coach, Joe Barry, called it the man with the Trojan tattoo. You can find it at therams.com. Anywho, um, what makes me happy this week is actually learning the background of his USC Trojan tattoo that is smack in the middle of his left leg. And for those that do not know about this, Joe Barry basically said in 1992, when he was attending at USC um, with a couple of teammates, stone cold sober, he went down to Sunset Boulevard, iconic Sunset Boulevard, and Sunset Tattoo, which I believe is still there and open. Um, he went in and got this USC Trojan. And a lot of the other guys wanted the block SCs, like the Southern California SC block letters. But he was like, no, nah, I want this Trojan. But in the in the, his idea, like in his mind, ideal like scenario, he said he wanted it. This is like a 50-year-old football coach, by the way, now, who still has this tattoo smack in the middle of his left leg. But he wanted it lower because he wanted to cover it with a sock. And unfortunately, when he was facing the other way in the opposite direction of the tattoo artist, and he has his leg propped up, the tattoo artist put it in the middle of his leg. And 15 minutes into it, he looks back and he's like, Dude, that's not where I freaking wanted it. <laughs> and it was too late. And I just find that to make me very happy because I had no idea that that was the story of his tattoo in the middle of his calf, but it is. And so do you have anything to add? Do you have a tattoo? What do you think of Joe Barry? What do you think of coaches who have tattoos? <laughs> okay. There's a lot to unpack here. First of all, First of all, making that late night run in college in search of a Trojan, uh, I feel like that could have been my college experience, perhaps. And I would, and I did not like USC. I uh, I went to Cal, and Joe and I managed to coexist despite that. I love the guy, but uh, I hope everybody enjoyed that uh, sexual innuendo there. Uh, that's the best I've got for you coming off, uh, you know that. On short notice, but yes, uh, late night Trojan run, uh, take it to a new level. Um, yes, I did read your story. Yes, it was awesome. Yes, you should be shamelessly promoting it. You are, after all, talking to me, and there's no way you're going to be the most shamelessly promotional human on this podcast right now. So uh, that's absolutely understood and allowed. And, uh, you know, uh, Joe Barry is one of those great uh, guys in football that doesn't get a ton of hype. And, um, you know, he's been there with Sean uh, this this whole run. And, you know, I think when Sean made this, the change to, um, you know, to get rid of Wade Phillips or to part ways with Wade Phillips after the season, there was a lot of thought that, well, Sean and Joe are very, very close 
maybe Joe becomes the new defensive coordinator. And, um, you know, it, it obviously didn't play out that way. But, uh, you know, I, I can't think of a better human than Joe in a situation that might, uh, you know, I could feel awkward. I don't know whether it does or not, but you would never – that would never impact him. He is going to put his head down, do what's best for the team, stay cool with everybody, and, you know, give everything he can to the cause, you know, 24-7. And so, um, you know, I've seen a ton of weirdness in my many, many years covering this league. I've seen people have to fire their friends and, you know, pretty often and, and all sorts of strange things like that um you know if there was if this was ever going to feel weird there's no way that someone is as cool as joe b would ever let it even come close to that and that's a you know that's just another great thing for a a great coaching environment you know as good as any coaching environment in football for sure i'm with you i love joe b it's great to have him and i don't think he gets enough recognition on a day-to-day basis so it's cool that i got to write this piece on him Anyone who sees him with the tattoo, you know, it's there smack in the middle of his left leg. Um, quickly, we're getting to news from around the NFL. <laughs> Why? This is, this is going to make me laugh. It's going to make you laugh. The Cincinnati Bengals. I'm worried about this franchise. They haven't had a winning season since 2015. And then here comes their quarterback, Joe Burrow, smart guy from LSU, tough on the field. But apparently, and Matt's going to play this soundbite for us, but apparently he's not so tough off of it. Take a listen to this clip. (laughs) (laughs) You, uh, You started laughing when he said he can't watch House, and that is what me and Matt were like, when did House become a scary enemy? <laughs> I was laughing at Harry Potter too. I mean, it, I read my I read my kids every Harry Potter book, and uh, you know, uh, yeah, I guess it got a little dark. But uh, you know, I, I I would say this: I one thing Joe Burrow's not scared of is flexing a little on social media, and you know that's kind of refreshing. And he also stood up for social justice and uh, against racial injustice at a time when, you know, that voice was really, really needed. So, you know, I've I've talked to him on the phone. Uh, I've admired his game, but I really have high hopes for him as a guy who not only is going to be, you know, a a very good player in this league for a long time, but someone who's going to stand for what's right and not be afraid to, to, uh, you know, voice that. And, I, you know, I've, I've seen Jared Goff uh, really, really find his voice on those subjects in this last, you know, six, seven months, and it's been been awesome. So, I, I you know, add, add another young quarterback to the list. It's very cool. For sure. And that was more of a joking question. I think Joe Burrow's uh, sky's the limit for this guy. A more serious question <laughs> on the NFL, though. We've seen what can't what Tampa Bay can be. We've seen what they can't be. So, Mike, with the Rams coming up on their schedule, they got Seahawks, and then they fly to to Tampa Bay to face the Buccaneers. 
which one of these is more reflective of their team when it comes to what they can and cannot do on the field? Such a, such a good question. And I, uh, since I know you are going to tolerate a shameless plug and it's not my last, but um, on my show, the aftermath, which is noon to three Pacific every Monday on NFL network, um, you know, coming off that atrocity of a game against the Saints by the Bucks, uh, I quoted the, the mayor of Philadelphia, uh, and I said, it's time for the Bucks to put on their big boy pants. And, uh, you know, they have been super impressive at times, and they have a star-studded team. And we obviously know that Tom Brady and uh, Gronk and, Bruce Arians and JPP have been on the big stage and have, have, have done that. But, you know, team-wise, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have not been able to do that for a, a long, long time. And here are the Saints who have kind of been, you know, slopping through the season and they don't look that good. And uh, now it's a primetime game. And, yeah, you, you think Sean Payton and Drew Brees – are capable of cranking it up in those moments? Yeah, they are. And, uh, you know, not only did the Bucks not match that, they just looked, you know, just completely flaccid and helpless. So it's just one game, and they've looked utterly impressive at times, including against the Packers. But, um, you know, you do wonder because, you know, I think in a normal year, I – what Tom Brady was trying to do at 43, going to a new team, digging into a new offense, new cast of characters, it was going to be a lot, and it was going to be hard. And, you know, and we've seen Aaron Rodgers now in year two with a new offense. It's, it's, you know, year two is a lot different than year one. But that was under normal conditions. You know, given the surreal lack of an offseason and then what, a, you know, what, what passed for training camp with no preseason games, it, it it's a big big challenge. It teams that had continuity of coach, quarterback, and system on both sides of the ball were always going to be at a huge advantage. So that's the only thing I'll say about the Bucks. I've always thought it was going to take them a while, and so you know this does not preclude them from continuing to gel and being pretty good. You know, come early January. For sure, a lot of changes going on this year. But one thing that doesn't change, Matt. You know what time it is? Green bean casserole, you can exist on that. Well, so here, 
here's the here's the thing is <laughs> stuffing is the big wild card because good stuffing is like phenomenal but stuffing could also be pretty sketch if it's not done right and you know i so that's why i'm going to go with the trusty mashed potatoes and assuming that gravy is obviously heavily involved in in the mashed potatoes i'm going to say mashed potatoes are always good now mac and cheese is phenomenal i just i guess at my thanksgivings we haven't done that but mac and cheese is probably the best food on that list but as far as my perception of a Thanksgiving side, I'm going to go with the mashed potatoes, assuming that gravy is, is obviously um, paired with that. That's smart. That's smart. Yeah, I just, I, for the life of me, I was like, who put green bean casserole? I would never, I was throwing out Brussels sprouts because they make a solid Brussels sprout with bacon, I, thyme, rosemary. I actually... I think I suspect what Serena's real answer is. It's probably McAllen who would be the number one dish. That's my main course every day, all day, is McAllen, who just had came out with a very special new uh, bottle. So. You should have seen me Saturday morning, man. I was, uh, you know, I, I can't drink hard alcohol at your level. I, I usually would be more beer and wine, but I was uh, I was hitting the bourbon very hard Saturday morning and, and loving it. It was beautiful. That's why Mike Silver and I are friends. We both appreciate the talent every once in a while. Um, okay, quickly to say what. So Sean McVay, um, during the bye week, what did he watch? Well, aside from football, I will play this clip for you on what he decided to, to watch with his fiance over the week. Uh, I was able to just relax, get, get caught up on some sleep, do a little bit of football here and there, and actually started watching with my fiance, This Is Us. Pretty good show, pretty emotional. But Pretty emotional. All right. I, and he talked about Joe Burrow and great men being able to show their emotions and being scared, and I'm all for all of those things. But um, so I respect that. I've never seen the show. So, Mike, are you thumbs up on Sean's show choice for the bye week? Because I just started watching The Queen's Gambit, and I'm all in. I watched three episodes, and I'm like, yo, Sean, this is the, you're a strategy guy. Right. I'm three into the undoing, and it's fantastic. I uh, I just wish Sean and Veronica had talked to me because uh, <laughs> I would have would have probably tried to get them. You know, Veronica is Ukrainian, and I would have said the Americans for many reasons, including the Cold War and you know Soviet overtones. I I think that could have like been a winner for them, and. Uh, and also, you know, I mean, Kerry Russell is unbelievably hot. And I know Sean would have, like, I could have on the side told him that and been like, you don't have to mention that part to Veronica. But, um, you know, if you're going to watch, a, I mean, I, you know, listen, I'm sure Mandy Moore is, is getting it done as well. And I'm sure the dudes in these shows are also hot. And I'm sure everybody, you know, most actors are. But uh, Kerry Russell's character in The Americans might be my favorite character ever in TV. I mean, right up there with Tony Soprano and, and the all-time oh. great. So, uh, yeah, like, I'm a, I'm a massive fan. So that's – but, you know, I'm glad that Sean – I did something other than watch either film or like 
press conferences breaking down his intonations on the Zoom because, uh, you know, all of that was probably on the table. For sure. And then, and she was like, no, no, we're just, let's just watch This Is Us. I'm with you. He watched. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. Well, well, I'm going I'm to say that uh, I'm going to say that Sean threw Veronica under the bus in that press conference and made it sound like it was her idea. But I'm going to say that Sean actually likes it more than Veronica on the download. That's my, that, you know, I, that's my uh, suspicion that Sean is the one like leaving the office maybe, you know, 23 minutes early just to, to get a jump on the next episode from here on out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get through film a little quicker. No, um, that's great. Well, I recommend everyone watch The Queen's Gambit, and that's my other shameless plug. But, Mike, before we go, I will have you uh, shamelessly plug the aftermath once more because I appreciate your time and I want everyone to go and find you everywhere. I, I have more I have a more important shameless plug. I and I'm sure you will be a guest on this very soon, Serena, but my podcast, uh, Pass It Down, that I do with my daughter Natalie is available on all major platforms. Pass it down. It's all over my social media feed. Uh, we just taped a very cool uh, hungover post-election episode that's up now, and uh, I'm having so much fun with, uh, you know, a, a young lady who uh, could only hope one day that she could uh, match Serena Morales's incredible uh, public persona, but uh, check it out, you guys. Pass it down, and Serena, you will be conscripted into this very soon. I can't wait. I'll do it from my car and or any other vehicle or non-vehicle. Appreciate you. This uh, podcast has been recorded from Mike Silver's car and my living room and Matt's living room. So we're just making things work during COVID times. But either way, I appreciate you, my friend. That's it. Another episode of Ramblin' in the Books. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. We'll be bringing you more episodes throughout the season. And if you're craving even more Rams podcasts, We've got Rams Revealed with J.B. Long, Rams Iconic with former Ram DeMarco Farr. We brought back Between the Horns. You can catch it every Thursday morning on YouTube, or you can stream it wherever you hear your podcast. Again, you got Aftermath, you got Mike Silver, you got all the podcasts in the universe. You will never be bored. We have shows and podcasts. This is our life. This is us. <laughs> Mike Silver. <laughs>